Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to our show number 961 with the live edition on the 19th of November. We have guests today from the Bosque del Apache Wildlife Refuge in New Mexico and from the University of California, Davis. And we'll start out with an audio postcard sent to us by Linda Schwartz from Maryland on an island in the middle of Chesapeake Bay. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Ray and Talking Birders. This is Linda, and today I am on Poplar Island. This island once was a presidential retreat. It eroded to the point of simply disappearing, and there was a groundswell to revive it, and that was accomplished by taking dredge from Baltimore Harbor and re-establishing this island. It is absolutely magnificent. It has become a birding sanctuary sitting right here, plop in the middle of Chesapeake Bay. And I'm here with a group surveying what is available. And what I'd like to do now is get back to my group and check out all of these eagles and egrets and herons. And there are some little birds out there, some ducks. So I'm going to sign off, but I would definitely encourage you to check this out. All right, Linda, thank you. I think you uh, talked us into it there, Poplar Island in Chesapeake Bay. So what's this audio postcard thing all about? Just like Linda did, just uh, wherever you're looking at birds, including in your backyard, do a little description, as Linda did, about what you're seeing and send it to us. Just make a little file from your smartphone or digital recording device and just email it to ray at talkingbirds.com, and we'll take it from there. There's a pretty... Pretty scary sounding mystery bird. As you might guess, it's a powerful predator. And it's our mystery bird in the preview here of our contest, which we'll uh, actually conduct a little bit later in the show, getting you ready for it there. A powerful predator that preys on passerines, perching birds, that is, and many other birds as well, that it often captures in level flight thanks to its superior speed and terrifying talons. The color of this large, stocky raptor, about 18 inches in length, can range from almost pure white to dark gray, sometimes almost black. In North America, it breeds across northern Canada and Alaska and winters across most of Canada and the northern U.S. That's our mystery bird. A little preview there. We have fabulous prizes from Brome Bird Care in a squirrel-proof feeder and a certificate from our friends at Bird Collective. It has some wonderful things all about birds, all on our mystery bird contest in a little bit. And a salute here to another Talking Birds ambassador. That's a Talking Birds listener who has uh, stepped up to a new level, helping us spread the word about our show. And thank you to Mark from Little Compton, Rhode Island, a beautiful place there in the southern tip of Rhode Island. Thank you so much. 
Mark, become an ambassador is so easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com. There's no G in talking. No G in there. And then just look for the Get Involved tab at the top of the page and click on that, and the rest will be super easy. We'll send you some cards that you can hand out at your leisure and your convenience to friends and neighbors. So just go to the TalkingBirds.com website and click where it says Get Involved at the top of the page. Still to come today, we'll talk with the co-author of a new study on the effects of extreme heat on the nesting success of birds, especially in one particular environment. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for Let's Ask Mike live segment, and it just turns out, kind of coincidentally, he'll also be talking about nests. And up next, something slightly different. Instead of a featured feathered friend segment today, we're going to talk about a featured festival. By way of a little background, the Bosque del Apache Wildlife Refuge in New Mexico is famous for the tens of thousands of geese, ducks, and cranes who winter there each year. And speaking of cranes, it's also famous for the annual Festival of the Cranes, which draws visitors from all over the country and beyond, I'm sure, and which will take place this year from December 6th to December 9th. And to tell us a bit about the festival is the events manager for Friends of Bosque del Apache National Wildlife Refuge, Juliana Bloomquist. Good morning, Juliana. Good morning. What a spectacular setting for a festival. And uh, for folks who might think of attending this year, Juliana, give us an overview of the of the festival and a, a couple of highlights, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So every year we gather to celebrate the annual return of the Festival of the Cranes, um, which happens at Bosque del Apache National Wildlife Refuge. It's a very delicate ecosystem, and it's completely man-managed, which means that the folks that want, run the wildlife refuge control the flow of water to mirror what it used to be before so much of our crops and our irrigation changed the Rio Grande so much. So um, it's it's very unusual in that it is an oasis in the desert um, and festival is kind of celebrating the sandhill crane who returns this time of year and the the geese are also spectacular to watch early in the mornings and to listen to them all throughout the day. We have photography and burning workshops as well as some cultural workshops, some science, conservation and we have vendors that have camera gear and binocular gear and we have um we have some retailers from the conservation world and um different organizations like that joining us as well Mm -hmm. and you have a keynote speaker who knows a little something about cranes right Yes, we do. Rich Belfast is part of the International Crane Foundation. We're very happy to have them here. We've partnered with them many times in the past, but this will be the first time that Rich will be with us at the event. I know you have, I've looked at the list, you have so many workshops, it's quite amazing, and they're filling up, so we, uh, we want to encourage people to sign up and register as uh, soon as possible. The festival starts on December 6th. And Juliana, you know, we know lots of birders have partners or spouses who are not birders. Uh, What about some activities for for non-birders? 
So there's um, quite a few other workshops we have. We have some that are kind of focused on finding um, peace within nature. Um, for example, forest bathing is a workshop like that, hmm. um, where it's kind of learning, you know, finding relaxation because they've found in studies that watching birds and just being around nature in general, not just birds, is mm -hmm. really good, really good for our health. There's sure. um, the photography aspect, which can be birds, and it also can be nature and landscape as well. We have some historical workshops about the local area and the history because um, the refuge is actually on Route 66, which is a historical route through New Mexico. So mm -hmm. there's some information on that as well. By the way, we have uh, information about the festival and signing up on our website at TalkingBirds.com and on our Facebook page. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Juliana, just tell us uh, how folks can register and um and when they need to do it, which is pretty soon, I think, right? Yeah, they're, they are selling out quickly. If you go to festivalofthecranes.org, it'll take you to our registration page, our, our, our landing page for that anyway. Um, and you can, um, from there, be directed to what is still available. There are still lots of options available. Mm -hmm. Juliana, thank you so much. Uh, it just sounds wonderful, and good luck. Thank you. Our Sandhill Crane kind of taking us out there. The Festival of the Cranes dot org is that website again. Welcome again to our show number nine hundred and sixty one. Catherine Locke is a PhD candidate in ecology at the University of California, Davis, and co-author of a new paper on the effects of extreme temperatures on avian reproduction and how those effects can vary depending on the type of environment in which the birds nest. And she's here with us this morning to tell us about this new study. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Ray. Glad to be here. Wonderful to, to have you. So if I understand correctly, Catherine, you focused on the differences between heat-affected nesting success across different land covers, specifically forest areas and agricultural areas. And what did you find? We found that... In agriculture, as heat gets more extreme, birds nesting there have a lower chance of reproducing. Um, whereas when birds are nesting in forest and heat gets more extreme, they actually have a slightly higher chance of reproducing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So two really different uh, outcomes there for sure. Because um, in the forest area, they've got that cover, which they don't have in the agricultural areas. And then, yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we think a lot of it has to do with the um, trees that are present in forests and typically not less present in agriculture. Um, and so, yeah. The trees are providing a really wonderful micro uh, microclimate refuge for birds um, that allows them to reproduce well, even when it gets really hot. Mm -hmm. And that kind of extends, I think, right to open cup nests for birds, those that are nesting in open cup nests are that much more vulnerable, right? That's correct. They're even more vulnerable. And we think that, again, that has to do with the fact that if a bird is nesting in a cavity, there's a little bit more thermal um, insulation that buffers them from the ambient temperatures. Mm -hmm. What about the things like hedgerows uh, in farming areas that used to be quite prominent, separating, um, you know, agricultural planting areas and I think farmers have kind of moved away from that a lot in order to maximize their acreage. Is that is that an issue as well? 
Well, I think that those uh, practices such as hedgerows and other ways to, to retain more complex vegetation in agricultural landscapes, we think based on the study that those those more complicated vegetation types can be really beneficial for birds, even small patches. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely uh, having retaining these retaining small patches of trees or retaining even single trees could allow uh, birds to thermoregulate better to choose places that are shaded to nest and things like that that could help them persist in agricultural landscapes. And what's the awareness do you think of 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 farmers in general about about that and what kind of uh, cooperation do you do you foresee in that area i think farmers have a really amazing uh role to play as far as conservation going forward um as climate change makes heat waves more extreme um there's so much land area that could potentially be managed co-managed both for production of food and for wildlife. And so I'm looking forward to working with farmers um, to uh, to spread the news of this study and 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 um, encourage people to retain more vegetation on their landscape. I think the key the key there is that farmers need the resources and the knowledge to manage their land, co-manage their land for biodiversity. And so I I would, I hope and encourage, encourage organizations to reach out to farmers and um, provide them those resources mm-hmm. and, and knowledge. Now, you had a, a, a lot of nest records, uh, nesting records involved in this study. This, this is not a small uh, sample by any means, if I have this right, 152,000 nesting records featuring nearly 60 bird species. And um, well, this is made possible in part by something we like to talk about here from time to time and emphasize, and that's citizen science, right? That's correct. Uh, we used the Nest Watch projects data. That's a project out of Cornell. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, anybody uh, who wishes to, can contribute their their observations of nesting birds, um, including anybody who's listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. You can go to um, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's website and um, search for Nestwatch. I'm not sure exactly what the link is, but mm-hmm. anybody can contribute to it. It's amazing. We're really, really grateful for all the volunteers who contributed to the Nestwatch project. Um, this this kind of general um, continental scale 20 year research, uh, which is that that scale is what makes this research so novel and meaningful. Um, and that would not have been possible without all of the people who contributed their observations to Nestwatch. So we're really grateful. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful overview of it. We really do try to emphasize citizen science. It's become such an important thing, as you're suggesting, uh, over the last number of years, uh, and so that um, people can provide data that scientists just can't get on their own uh, with only 24 hours uh, in, in each day in that uh, and that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, let me just circle back quickly to the idea of uh, birds being affected there. Were there any particular species that are hit hardest? Or, uh, what did you find in that regard? So we we um, the so we we found that uh, birds that are of higher conservation um, concern typically are the are the ones that are most severely affected mm-hmm. by um, 
by extreme heat in agriculture, um, which is concerning uh, because we know in, in the future climate change is going to continue to make those temperature increases even worse. Um, so those birds are going to depend on the, the interesting thing is these are birds that are nesting in agriculture, right? So there's a huge opportunity there to manage agriculture in ways that allow these birds to persist into the future. So you mentioned the phrase climate change and we're, we, I don't go through a show here without mentioning climate change probably two or three <laughs> times in, in, in the process. Was that, was that any direct part of your study or just something that was obvious? Well, um, we we predicated the whole reason we started this study is because we know that temper- high temperatures have have been less studied um, as far as the effects on birds, and so we we know that as climate change in the future there will be more extreme and more frequent heat waves, um, and so we wanted to know what the effects might be on birds. But we um, we studied the effects of extreme heat, and the way we defined that is. Um, the uh the the present heat compared to a historical baseline mm-hmm. so we were studying how much hotter uh, a tip a certain max a certain nest period is relative to the 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 last you know mm-hmm. it was i think it was 1900 through 1980 mm-hmm. um so so we were yeah so we were including climate change in that way but not in any other way mm-hmm. yeah uh, we're just about out of time, but I just wanted to ask you if folks want to find out more information. Uh, I know you're going to have a, a website, but folks can find you, I think, through uh, uh, University of California, Davis, with a little searching. And, and maybe the way I found found this was through your your name. Uh, and your last name is, is, well, here's a good way to remember it, Luck, but with an A in front of the U. How, how is that? I think that might work. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that works. I'm also on Blue Sky. Okay. Um so you can follow me there at K A T H E R I N E L A U C K is my username. All right, on Blue Sky. Catherine, thank you so much. Thanks for being with us and uh thanks for your wonderful important work. Thanks for having me on the show. Catherine Locke here on Talking Birds and up next it's our mystery bird contest in just 1 minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. You can tell that this is a bird that would strike fear in the hearts of lots of small creatures. It's our mystery bird, a powerful predator that preys on passerines, perching birds, and lots of other birds and other small critters as well. It's a large, stocky raptor about 18 inches in length, 
may range from nearly pure white to dark gray, sometimes nearly black. In North America, it breeds across North Canada, northern Canada and Alaska, and winters across most of Canada and the northern U.S. That would be our mystery bird, one of our wonderful Talking Birds ambassadors. Bev Landry sent us a note saying she loves being an ambassador and that she's learning a lot and being more considerate of her feathered friends. And she added, of course, they always bring a few squirrels along. Well, they do, and that's why we're happy to offer as one of our mystery bird contest prizes today a brome squirrel solution, 150 feeder that is genuinely squirrel-proof. And it's chew-proof and easy to clean. It even features a vented seed tray that helps keep the seed fresh and dry. All wonderful attributes for a bird feeder. Meanwhile, birding is a wild life, but you don't have to sacrifice style for comfort when out in the field. And that's why our other prize today is a $25 gift certificate for Bird Collective, your one-stop shop for vintage-inspired apparel and unique accessories, all featuring birds. And this is a company, too, that partners with lots of conservation organizations, so we are thrilled to have them as well as a prize provider. Their website, by the way, is birdcollective.com. So you heard the clues and the sound of our mystery bird, and now just tell us what it is or take a guess. As always, no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. So getting the correct answer is not necessarily a prerequisite on this here contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. I'll give the number again in a moment, but uh, call us as soon as you possibly can, so we'll have time for the contest. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781 781- 837-4900. More about nesting with uh, Mike O'Connor from the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod is coming right up. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. What's one of your favorite memories? <laughs> That's a tough question. Um, well, there was this one time... I went camping with my parents in a forest back when I was maybe like eight or nine. And um, I can remember one night we were in our hammocks and we were just, you know, watching the trees rustling in the wind above us and we could hear the sounds of the forest all around us. Frogs singing and owls calling and the creek running nearby. It was amazing. It felt like we were a part of it all. I don't know if I do it justice trying to describe it, but I'll definitely never forget it. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. As we indicated, we're heading to Cape Cod to the famous Bird Watchers General Store and the famous Mike O'Connor. And our Let's Ask Mike segment is live this morning. And good morning, Mike. Well, good morning, Greg. Good morning. Uh, an interesting story on Bosque del Apache, New Mexico. What a beautiful place. Have you ever been there? I have not. I'm, I'm ashamed to say and sorry to say, but I'm, I'm going to head there soon, I can promise you. Yeah, even yeah. if you don't see a bird, it's beautiful. The yeah. snow-capped mountains, mm-hmm. and it's really beautiful. 
Just the a place to go. Put it on your list. It's on the list there. I just wrote it down here, and I didn't even use pencil. I put this in, the, in pen over here. <laughs> so, Mike, you heard from uh, one of our listeners, if I understand this correctly, uh, who was concerned about what she thought were chipping sparrows uh, trying to nest uh, here in, in, in November, and she was thinking she did something wrong by cleaning out the nest. Is that about right? Yeah, that's a very nice lady, Darlene. She's in, she called from Marshfield, Massachusetts, where I don't even know where that is. I don't either. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she called because she thought she had chipping sparrows using a nest box, and she was cleaning out a nest box, and, and then she thought maybe that was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told her, no, 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 not a problem, darling. Birds, a handful of birds will use birdhouses in the winter, um, and, you know, Bluebirds will, chickadees will, titmice will, some small woodpeckers will, that's for sure. And they don't really need any material because they just go inside a cavity to keep warm. But most birds don't, like Robin the Cardinals wouldn't do that. Um, But a a few birds do. But another bird that won't was a chipping sparrow. Chipping sparrows, like Robin the Cardinals, build nests on the outside of trees, on tree branches and shrubs, and they're not about to go inside a cavity. It's just not something that that they're prone to do. But a sparrow that does do that is the house sparrow, our old friend house sparrow that everybody's familiar with. They're all over the continent um, in city parks and neighborhoods. And they will actually, they used to fool people thinking that they they would nest year-round because they start building nests even this time of year, which is odd. But they, it's just a thing that they do. They kind of start building a nest, getting ready for the spring, but they don't they don't continue on laying eggs or any any of that stuff. They just start to build a nest, and then they seem to lose interest, and then they, a lot of times they'll roost in there for the winter time. So, uh, you know, the, the chickadees, the titmice, the bluebirds, the woodpeckers, they're not going to use the nest, uh, nest box or birdhouse full of this uh, sparrow nesting material. But the house sparrows will, and when you're cleaning out your boxes, it's a good idea to clean out your boxes, and maybe the house sparrows, which is an invasive species, uh, might not be happy with it, but even if you do clean it out, they're likely to fill it up again. So you didn't do anything wrong, and it's not your little chipping sparrows, but native birds, they're fine. All right, that's today's edition of It's Not Your Fault, Darlene. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. Talk to you next week, Mike. All right. All right, Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, and we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest, and uh, ready to maybe wrap this up with some callers. First, Janice is on the line from Harvard, Massachusetts. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think, uh, Janice, on the old Mystery Bird there? Is it a barred owl? A barred owl. Oh, my goodness. Let me check. No, it isn't. No, that's a kind of a scary predator, but it's not a barred owl. But thank you, Janice, and try us again. Okay, All thank right. you. All right. Scott is in somewhere in that place where we were just a few minutes ago. That would be California. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think, Scott, on the, uh, the mystery bird there? Well, sir, I think it's a snowy owl. A snowy owl, another top quack. Is that Trump? Oh, my goodness, the trumpet is playing again. Uh, not a snowy owl. Scott, thank you. Try us again, all right? I will. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> all right, thank you. All right, not a snowy owl and not a barred owl. Maybe we should just suggest here or point out it's not an owl at all. And here's that town that we never heard of, Marshfield, and we have a call from there. That's Saskia. Good morning, Saskia. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, I think it's a gear falcon. A gear falcon, or some, as we sometimes call it, a jer falcon. Is either one is it's okay by me? Absolutely right. The largest falcon in the world, the jer falcon. This bird will eat even big birds like ptarmigan and and then smaller birds and and big birds like fulmars and jaegers and ducks and geese. It's quite a predator, and it is the jer falcon. And you're absolutely right. And if you'll stay on the line, Saskia, we'll get your info and send you a couple of nice prizes. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Don't eat the turkeys. What was that last part? Don't eat the turkeys. Don't eat the turkeys. We'll eat potatoes instead from from Mike O'Connor's store. How's that? Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, Saskia, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Next week on our show, J.D. Bergeron will be our special guest from International Bird Rescue. They're doing some amazing things. And before we go to just this quick note, our new Talking Birds Patreon is in effect. We hope you'll join that and become a supporter of our show and let us send you some really cool perks in the process. Just go to patreon.com slash talkingbirds to sign up. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash talkingbirds. You can also find it through our website, talkingbirds.com. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Frey McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.